Amen. Grace, hello. Um, it's good to see uh, those of you who braved the ice, uh, or as I call you, uh, the elect. Um, I do this thing when I sub for anyone, I'll turn around for 20 seconds uh, so that my feelings don't get hurt. And if you want to exit the side or the back, you can do that. I just don't want to know who you are. Um, no, I'm kidding. I am delighted to be here with you. I know it's a weird night. We're in a different room, but uh, this is what I've been telling myself all day. And a lot of people have been asking, why are we having church? Uh, I'll reveal the secret. Uh, we get paid hourly. And um, so we, we really wanted to stay open as long as possible. And uh, that's why. But no, I've been telling myself, hey, we need God's word. I mean, don't we? We need God's word. We would be at home right now watching Nashville in a bathrobe, if you're John Roberts, at least. Um, so we need God's word and we're here and we're warm and we're together. And uh, so my prayer throughout the day has been for you um, that God's word would, would speak, um, that the Holy Spirit would apply truth uh, to you. So anyway, thanks for having me. It is good to be with you. I don't get unquarantined often from Mike's place back in high school world, uh, which by the way, if you have a high school student, um, they're totally unsupervised, running wild. Um, I, I, they're watching Django. I just push play on the screen and they're hanging out back there. Uh, you can go get them when we're done. They're in capable hands. Brady is teaching and Umlauf actually is leaving from here to go lead worship in there. So uh, if you have a copy of God's word, turn to John chapter seven. We're going to be in John's gospel. Uh, a very uh, exciting text, one that I recently have studied and grown to love. Uh, I want to set up a little bit of a context for you uh, where we are in John seven. Where I'm going to start in verse 25. Um, Jesus is performing miracles uh, he has been uh, claiming that he's Israel's long-awaited savior. And with every public appearance, uh, tension is kind of building. Some people are saying that he's demon-possessed. Uh, others that he's a blasphemer. Some say that he's misunderstood. But his constant refrain uh, about himself is that he was the son of God who was sent on mission to rescue those whom the Father had given him. And so in our text tonight, Jesus years. is teaching so, in let me, the temple, let me tell you a fun story. and there's kind of a mixed crowd we were, and, and a mixed response that, to his message, that, that uh, which is always the case when the proper and married, clear you know, proclamation like, of you get truth married, you get married, uh, happens. There's always going to be a mixed I'm response. Spurgeon said, I'm do not believe and I said, that the gospel well, has been called, preached in Christ's way if it does not make some angry and some happy. So that would be expected. So what I want to do with this text is just kind of peer into this Temple and, uh, scene, Joy said, well, uh, and most just, importantly, apply it to our lives. So look at verse 25. I'm going to read the verse 36. And, and, guess who and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help uh, connect dots for us. Yeah, they do, don't they? John 7, verse 25 reads anyway, this. Right? Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, I didn't. I didn't. So is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Has started Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? Managing artists, but we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. Commercial real estate. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. 
college. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they're seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people who believed, yet many of the people believed in him. They said, "When the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done?" The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me where I am. You cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me? And you will not I, find I, me. I'm from a Lebanese where background, I am, you and my come. parents uh, left Let's Lebanon for in help. the late 40s, early 50s. Um, uh, Father, you know, apart from a work of your spirit, we will not understand the words on these with my pages. Parents situation, uh, they just had a tragedy. And we will not know life. how to apply them to brother today a, and to kind tomorrow of and to our singer. life. Uh, but he was uh, you also have spoken to us, you have revealed behavior. who you are Sadly, he on these pages. And, and so I beg that through your Holy Spirit, from, Lord, you would open our eyes and open and, our ears. Uh, my, my dad just that we would make leave. much of your son to Jesus come, uh, to the United States. We're here together. Uh, we he ended up coming to New York, and then eventually he moved from all places to Middle Michigan. I would consider myself to be a very task-oriented guy. How many of you are task-oriented? That's the gift slash curse something like that. But Memphis, If I'm given a project, if I'm given a task, I'm given a mission, I want to carry it out very efficiently, and whatever obstacles Obstacles come in the way. Uh, I want to hop over those obstacles and get it done at all costs. Uh, if I'm tiling the kitchen floor and the particular obstacle seems to be that my children have not been fed in seven or eight hours, as soon as I'm done smoothing out that grout in that corner, then they'll, they'll be fed. But I got to finish that mission. I got to finish that task. Uh, a good construction company uh, works the same way. Druids. And given I a said, task to build something, you druids. give the time frame it's going to happen. Anyway. Uh, I drive it's down Houston Levy every day to get to work, and, so that's kind of and uh, they're building a new church right across from Briarcrest. You know what I'm talking about, Houston Levy there. And uh, I've seen workers there um, at night. I've seen them in the wind, in the rain, in the snow, in the ice. They were out there this morning. I've seen them on weekends. And it's as if they are saying, we have a mission, and we're going to accomplish this mission. We're going to get it done. Kind of like a wider... The cornerstone of tonight's text and, and, and the focus but the, the way I was is raised, this. It's, kind of like two worlds. it's Jesus' mission so outside the that house, he has set out to accomplish. The American world. That God Brady the Father Bunch charged him my, with. My God fellows, the Father has charged uh, his son Jesus the world, with a mission that's way more important than a home improvement you know? project or remember, the construction of a new building. It's this, to satisfy and they would say, the wrath of a holy God yell. towards the and sinner through the finished work and proclaim the, you know, the forgiveness of sins and Lebanon, new and eternal life women is made possible through genuine uh, faith in Christ. Uh, so our but, big uh, point tonight kind of is this. Jesus will finish that mission. Jesus will finish that mission. Nothing did stop so and nothing will stop what his earthly ministry was designed to accomplish. Nothing will stop the fact that he has set out to gather and sanctify and glorify a people for himself. And that mission has both a corporate promise, that's, that's for us, and that mission also has a personal promise. 
that he's working well, in us and he's working on has us. A and both of those have great implications for uh, our life and, and our life together. To so let me let me jump into this scene and, and kind of try to make some sense was, of it uh, and, and apply it, shall we? So. My first point is this. Jesus will not be silenced. Jesus movement that kind of Jesus will not be silenced. Look at verse 25 and 26 with me. Verse 25, some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly and they say nothing to him. You know, Can it be that the authorities really know that like this that is the Christ? You might, if you're familiar with the New Testament doing. narrative so when at I all, said, or just Jesus' uh, public ministry uh, and the My Pharisees said, and religious leaders of the day, that was his you would go, how wait a minute, what's going on? And, uh, why is he allowed back, to teach in the temple? Why? Because you know, what is, what's happening? The religious leaders of the day are going nuts anytime Jesus makes a public appearance and starts teaching and potentially gathering followers, and yet no one's going up to him, throwing you know, rotten fruit at him. No, he's just he's openly teaching. How is that happening? It was about well. The crowd kind of assesses. Well, maybe the religious leaders are are catching high. on. Maybe they think and he I've really is the, the Christ, and they're kind of letting him have old, a shot. I've never heard it. But that's ever. a wrong assessment. And I hear this. Christ's enemies wanted to kill him now more than ever. So why didn't they silence him? Jesus. Why couldn't and Jesus be silenced? And I don't well, the know answer the, is simple. I don't know the game plan in Christian Our text says now. his hour had not so yet come. I get up. I had to. His hour had not yet come. And I remember this old God's plan that began in the garden for people to, to hear about a way out of deserved wrath. And the one who would reconcile sinful people to a holy God, that was a promise that absolutely no thing or no person or no person could stop or thwart. And I was just looking at him he's looking at me. Uh, The resurrection is a a really good place to start. Hey, we don't like your claims, your teaching. We're going to murder you. But that didn't last. Let's look into some church history. Okay, you have the disciples. All right, we're going to squash this little Jesus, this little Christianity movement that you you, you know, guys think you're going to keep going. We're going to squash it. We're going to kill some of you. And they did just that. And yet the movement certainly didn't stop, did it? The gospel finally makes it to Rome and uh, Christianity is made illegal. And emperors from Nero to Constantine, I mean, as a hobby, they would love to feed Christians to lions and watch it on a jumbotron. And yet... Uh, I met this Jesus. Movement didn't stop. And my dad said, "Good, don't tell anybody." <laughs> For centuries, it's made illegal uh, so to I, I own think, a copy of the Gospels or any other was, uh, apostolic uh, writing. You know, uh, there's arrests, drums, murders, book burnings, and yet Jesus. Here it saxophone. is. I mean, he just thought that was just in the list of the my French Revolution club. was something old, that uh, it was really world. centered around um, atheistic thought, okay, uh, reasoning. Something. And uh, there's a story but of during during the revolution, during this time, there was an altar that was removed um, from Notre Dame and it was replaced with the tree of reason. Does that not sound so straight up 2015? The tree of reason. Could you not see Oprah at the unveiling of the tree of reason handing out Mini Coopers to everyone who's you know there for the unveiling? You know, it was very symbolic that they would go, you know what, we're going to put a tree of reason here. In 75. Voltaire 
Voltaire, he's a French philosopher and an outspoken hater of all things religious. He wrote in the 1770s, he says, uh, in 50 years, no one's even going to remember Christianity. Here's his exact quote. This is in the 1770s. He says, in 20 years, Christianity will be no more. My single hand shall destroy the edifice it took 12 apostles to rear. do that, so... I well, ended up Voltaire to died. Out my own way, so to speak. And you probably, and, uh, you probably haven't seen a what mind, would Voltaire that, what do I was bracelet was around in the uh, distant preaching uh, a lot past, have you? And asking them to get fifty born again. years yeah. after this prideful claim of this yes, guy in the exact so house that he makes this claim. This is mind blowing. In the exact you know, house that he said and, that. Uh, I think that didn't go very far. It was turned into the headquarters of the Geneva Bible Society, where Christians were mass producing Bibles. Even more, but what happened? Like well, has it gotten much better in the modern era? We all have stories to tell. You know, perhaps the the concerted and, effort uh, to eradicate Christianity. Perhaps they appear the maybe a little more sanitized, but the enemy's goal remains the same. So why? I mean, what is the explanation of this gospel? This Jesus can't be silenced. I go back to Lebanon. I, I go into boarding school. Why can't he be silenced? Of course, in a temple. Going on and everybody's Why can't he be silenced around the globe so Druze, in 2015? If you're Muslims, you hate Christians. The answer Christians, is found Muslims, when Jesus. Druze, I mean, it was. It was says equal this, opportunity hating going on. Not even the gates of hell that time was will prevail. Not even the gates of hell of hell shall prevail against my church. It was a very southern way of saying hell. That was all I was doing. What does that mean? Here's what that means. Well, and here's, really here's where there's hope uh, in that. That means that the super slick, super smart college professor that you're worrying about, you're, you're uh, getting a hold of your offspring, that means they can't silence this gospel. I am as a... That means that modern science can't. That means that the internet can't. That means that ISIS can't. That means that a provocative movie or TV series can't. Apologist, I wasn't. I was. A law can't. A political party can't. Uh, Civil War Steve Torgerson, really he's a missionary to China, a guy that we've supported back. for years. So and something that was so interesting really when he was here, I believe it was 2008. Um, um, we're in the middle of, you know, a, a big presidential election back then. And, and uh, us Americans were very up in arms. And, and not that we shouldn't take um, political stances and, and show up and vote and be bold in that. But we're very, the world is going to end if fill in the blank gets in office. And I found his response to be so absolutely. Nurture care just brought me. He said, "We really don't pray for a change in government. We really worry about who's in power in China, a communist country." He said, "The gospel is absolutely exploding." So. You probably, you know, at the very core of the phrase, here, his hour had not yet come, well, my parents is were great this theological people. concept. So we had a, an enormously God's successful business. And so sovereign. You, you were kind of nurtured. God is sovereign. Business. That's you what it means. His hour had not things. yet so come. God had not yet said in the sense that now. I never, you know, I didn't work outside, but just the family. The sovereignty of God. Tim Keller kind of summarizes it like this. He says, God is called the one who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. A little bit more keener Straight from Ephesians 1, was, verse 11. Went to a, uh, Everything that happens fits in I accord with and in harmony with gospel. God's plan. And at that time, this means 
that God's plan includes little things. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but the disposal thereof is from the Lord. Even the flip of the coin is part of his plan. Ultimately, there are no accidents. His plan also includes bad things. Psalm 60 verse 3 reads, you have made your people see hard practically, things. Practically, and you have given us wine to drink that made us you stagger. You don't want to deal with that. So Friend, I'm just are you really staggering? Growing weirdly. And I said, Here's an application of hope for my faith. And so my mother said, If it's happening well, in your life right now, is mine. whatever it is, is so that nice car of yours, that's mine. It means a wise you wanna, you know, and a you loving and, and a sovereign it. God she has said, allowed it. All that's ours. Then you go on. Think about so that. If he no can money, silence critics long enough for Jesus to preach in a Jewish temple, there, so and if he can fend off the cops that were sent to arrest him, car. I don't know. And if he can do. shut the mouths uh, of hungry and lions, and I got this call from could he not also fend off pain or deflect pain from your life? Person going to fight with me about Jesus? So that leads to the next question. He said, "I hear you're a Christian." Why doesn't he? I said, "Yes, I am." And he said, well, well so look I. at his son. If you can get Do you here, think that he California, loved his Nuys, only California? son, Jesus? Do yeah, you think that he valued and, and uh, cherished okay. and understood him? And yet, did he allow pain? Did he allow did. suffering? Why? God is good. God was Friends, we have to wrap our minds around that his mission for bringing ultimate salvation, not just temporary and lasting comfort, not just temporary... His vision for that is long-term, and it's grand, and it's much, much bigger than these small stories that we write for ourselves. What if he's preparing us for eternity and not just 60, 70, 80 years here? What if? That was God's sovereignty. So Jesus will not be silenced because God the Father has a plan and a purpose that he will carry out. Second point is this. Jesus will not fit. Helping me out into a box. Door, Jesus will not fit into a box. Read verse 27 with me. Is, is salvific. I mean, sometimes you think, but oh, we know where this man comes from. Think, man, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes really from. What does that mean? A cold water. Well, the crowd, in essence, kind of was placing Jesus in a box. They're saying, we expect you to, to look like this and to do this and to, and to appear to us like this, and you don't. So we're kind of confining you and putting you in a box. Um, the things that we've heard said that when the true Messiah comes, we're we're not going to know where he came from. And we know where this kid from Galilee, yuck, came from. We've seen him grow up. This ain't him. Salvation doesn't look like this. Sure. If we, and Jesus rebukes them in verse 28. Right. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true. In him, and you do not know. I know I him. About the Middle for I come East, from they think him. It's devoid of Christians. And he sent me. So you, you, what a I, rebuke. What Jesus is saying, in essence, is, that there is really, you, you think you know me, Lebanon, you think you know how I operate, you think you know my expectations and, and my demands, you, you think that you know me. That is it right there. The Leon Morris writes, if they had really picture, known where Jesus came from, they would have known uh, that so, he was uh, indeed the Messiah, but all they knew the was that he came from Nazareth, an unimportant village in Galilee. Bottom 
picture there, you they see were quite that, ignorant that of the virgin birth, of the truth uh, the right that Jesus was Pastor, from Dr. above, better, and that he was where he was so. because the heavenly we're Father. We're in Lebanon. Had sent we're him. working in church planting and caring My grandfather for, for years. He was a. Uh, he was and, uh, over the uh, the furniture. The Middle East. Uh, uh, he, he bought furniture from Macy's. Enormous. All over the uh, the country, uh, he would go to and deal with the warehouses, and he was the main buyer from Macy's. I want to show you a video. He told me the story once a guy who was dressed, he was just like a farmer. He had overalls on, just kind of looked, he looked like Umlauf, just kind of a little bit homeless, kind of scruffy. Walks in the store and all of his salesmen were kind of like, oh, you know, we're not going to make any money off of this guy. So we're going to take a lunch break or we're going to go hang on over here. No one wanted to go and help him because they thought it was going to be a waste of their time. They get no commission. So anyway, one guy ends up finally going, okay, I'll go take care of him. And this, you know, scruffy looking uh, farmer ends up buying like $100,000 worth of furniture. And, you know, so, so my grandfather, his point he's trying to drill in is, you know, you can't, you can't assess things just on how they look. You can't fit people into a box just because of how you think they are or who you think they are or how they operate. And this is what, exactly what the crowd was doing here, but not just to point a finger to the crowd. I think it's what we do. I mean, I would want to challenge you. Where, where do you have Jesus in a box? I mean, what is your unscripted, uh, uninfluenced, what are your opinions? What are your thoughts of, of this Jesus? Is he too rigid? Is he stuffy? Uh, is he boring? Is he fair? Does it make you a little bit mad that he tends to give grace to people who, who seemingly have it less together than you do? Their life doesn't, doesn't look like yours? Does the fact that your good life uh, and, and the fact that it's not quite good enough, does that anger you? I mean, you have real people who are standing in front of the God of the universe and they're missing it. Why? Well, one, they're self-centered. They expected salvation. They expect this, this gospel to look like this. They expect a savior that exalts them, that praises them. They wanted to be vindicated by, by creating a great political party. You know, you might be barely missing the offering of salvation for the same reason. You might be wanting a savior, but a savior who makes much of you, a savior who makes you bigger, a savior that glorifies you. And Jesus makes it very clear that the primary focus of his mission is to do the will of the Father. That's his primary focus. That's his primary mission. Now, thank goodness, we as the people of God, we greatly benefit from him carrying out that will. But Jesus's mission is not to glorify humanity. It's to glorify the Father. You know, so many people are led away from Christ due to just false or distorted expectations. You know, I see that so often in my context uh, of ministry. I see that just in my context of, of um, people that I know and, and family members. You know, Jesus is expected to fit in this certain box and look this certain way. And if he doesn't fit and if he doesn't behave as, uh, as they want, then they're out. Uh, wait a minute. Cancer was not supposed to be in the picture. This was not the story that, that I've written for myself. Um, I'm out. Wait a minute, um, divorce, this was not the story that I had dreamed of and not the life that I thought that I was building and creating. Uh, I'm out. 
my kids struggling with this, disappointing me like this, exhausting resources like this. That's not something that I signed up for, and so I'm out. The loss of a job, the change of a job, a hard move. I, this is, you know what? This is not the gospel that I saw advertised on TV. I'm out. And yet Jesus makes it very clear, even later in John 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have tribulation. It's really not an if. You know, for us, um, it's fine to wrestle and to struggle over things in, in scripture. I mean, that's, that's, that's what the Christian life is. That's so much of why it is a joy to serve in a church and to do life together is we struggle over things and we want to understand God's word better. And some things are hard and some, sometimes it takes a brother or a sister confronting us and, you know, rough edges being smoothed off. It's fine. And, and I would say it's, it's a healthy thing to wrestle and to struggle. But how often do we, like the crowd, question Jesus as if we are the ultimate authority. Like Samuel, are we quick to respond, speak for your servant hears? Or are we quicker to respond, as long as you operate in these confines, uh, as long as, as you only demand this much of me, then I will hear. I wanna close with this point. So Jesus will not be silenced. Why? Because God is sovereign. Uh, Jesus will not be put in a box. Why? Because he's much bigger. And the story uh, of salvation is, is much more grand than that. And lastly, Jesus will not be put on layaway. Jesus will not be put on layaway. What do I mean by that? Look at verse 33 with me. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer. And then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. You see, one of the most common misunderstandings of Christ's offering of salvation through faith is that we can put him on the shelf. We can stick him on layaway and kind of waltz back anytime we want to and, and get serious. Eh, I don't want you cramping my style uh, in college uh, or in my 20s. Give me a decade and I'll come back when I kind of have the full payment of my life and, and then I'll do that and then we can get serious. Or eh, give me at least until retirement. You know, let me, let me build up kind of a little kingdom for myself. Let me build up a life for myself and do some things. Then in retirement, then I'll, I'll serve more. I'll make much of Jesus. I'll give more. I'll get a little bit more serious. I'll start investing in others. You see, the time for Israel was drawing near and Jesus in the temple, he's preaching with, a, with an urgency that, hey, you're gonna miss it. And guys, just a simple application, and this is something that I, I truly try to drill into your, uh, your high school students' hearts and heads and lives. As Christians, as lights, as beacons, as reflectors, we should be living and we should be speaking with an urgency. Back it up a couple of points. We know that God is sovereign. We know that whom God the Father has given to the Son, Jesus is gonna get them. But we should be speaking and living with an urgency for our neighbor, 
for our mother-in-law, for that uncle, for our grandmother, for our children. And Jesus models this. He says, hey, I'm only going to be here for a little while longer. Super Bowls and Tom Brady's fourth ring and college and Grammys and your body and careers and headlines, they all have one thing in common. They all disappear. Like your breath on a single digit February night, it's, they're, they're a vapor. God's word tells us that, that life is a vapor. They all disappear. And one of the enemy's biggest lies and one of the ways that I see him succeed the most is that he convinces people, he blinds people into thinking that things down here are eternal. And they're just not. They, he tries to convince people that they won't perish, that investing everything we are and everything we have down here is in fact why we're here. And to borrow the language of the man in Jesus' parable in Luke 12, he convinces many of us that we're here to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Friend, the time for us is short as well. We do not know how much longer until Christ returns. We don't know how much longer that oxygen will fill our lungs The prophet Isaiah calls all people in Isaiah 55 verse 6 to repentance saying this, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. So if you're in this crowd, think about this, put yourself in that scene. Jesus is is teaching in the temple and you're there. Who are you there? What is your response to him? Um, Do you want to either silently or very publicly, do you want to silence um, his teaching that might alter your lifestyle? Um, Are you questioning him? Are you unsure of his claims? And maybe you have some, some presuppositions and you've put him and the gospel into a box or is it clear to you that he's the only source of true life and the only true savior? amongst other people or things that are just parading as saviors. Jesus will finish the mission. And friends, that reality has great implications for the Christian. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. You did not have to speak. You did not owe it to us. We would know nothing about truth had you not first spoken, and you did. And Lord, you chose to do it um, in such a way that is, seems normative. People gathering together on an obscure Wednesday night in the U.S., thousands of miles away from where you stood and preached. Lord, that you would communicate to us, that your Holy Spirit would press in Uh, Hard things, convicting things into our hearts is a kindness that we don't want to take for granted. Forgive us where we do. Lord, may the truth of this text tonight that that you're sovereign, that nothing is an accident, um, the truth that you will finish the mission, Lord, may that press into our hurting, our aching, our confused, our floundering hearts in a way that only you can. 
We thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. Again, we thank you for the corporate uh, angle of your mission, Lord, that you've not just called little knickknacks to yourself, but Lord, you've called a people and we're a small expression of that even tonight. So we thank you. We give you the praise and the glory and we ask you to change us. We ask you to press these things into our lives in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, thank you for showing up. Uh, You'll be rewarded with uh, cash on your way out, I believe. Uh, Anyway, be safe, go home, uh, stay warm. Love you guys. Have a good night.